1: You are God's field. You are God's building. So the first element in a healthy church is the recognition that the church belongs to God. It doesn't belong to the pastor. It doesn't belong to the elders. It doesn't belong to the board. It doesn't belong to the denomination. It doesn't belong to the largest contributors. It doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to God. Ownership of
0: the Church. It is indeed the Lord's. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Today, we are back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, passing inspection. There is an inspection that goes on here, and the Apostle Paul lays it out for the church at Corinth and you and I today. Let's catch up with Pastor Leighton Sheely and find out what that inspection is all
1: about on Study Verse by Verse. Now, let's begin reading in chapter 3. It says, uh, Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, so we know that he is writing to fellow Christians because he describes them as brothers and sisters. Those are terms that are uh, reserved for those that are in the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in the family of God. When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to a spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, as though you weren't even Christians at all. Or as though you were infants, babes, in the Christian life, I had to feed you with milk, not solitude, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. Now, one thing we find when we look through the Scriptures uh, is that Paul had a highly refined ability to be offensive. Uh, uh, he mastered being offensive. I mean, you look at the book of Acts. Everywhere he goes, he, he, he offends somebody. He caused riots. They beat him up, and he, and he doesn't seem to take the hint. He's just a naturally offensive person. And what he's saying is he's standing in front of his congregation. He's saying, you're all a bunch of babies. That's what he's saying. You're acting like babies. Well, what, what do babies act like? Well, babies are characteristically selfish. Everything revolves around them. They demand others to feed them and to, to play with them and to give them attention. And they personify the it's all about me philosophy. By contrast, a mature person is considerate of others, thinks of others, helps others, tries to meet the needs of others. Now, it's cute for a baby to act like a baby. It's not cute when the person's 25 and still acting like a baby. There comes a point at which it's time to grow up. And what Paul is saying, it's time to grow up. You're still acting like babies. In fact, he couldn't even speak to them as though they were Christians because they were so immature in their faith. And you know that there are some people who believe that just receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is it. You receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You come, you sit, and you warm a pew, and you wait to either die or for Him to come and get you. And they miss the point that... Receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is only the beginning of a process of maturing and growth that should take place every day of our lives and when we step into eternity. When we step into eternity, we're not going to sit around and club on, on clouds and strum the harps. We're going to be learning throughout all of eternity. And you still aren't ready for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You know, one of the measures by which we can mark progress in our maturing is in our ability to control our sinful nature. And if we are continuing to be controlled by our sinful nature, then we've got a problem. We're not growing. And we're supposed to grow. Now, controlling our sinful nature is a struggle. So if you, as a Christian, haven't had a struggle in a while, you've got a problem. You're not growing. Because we as Christians, we struggle. We struggle against our sinful nature. We struggle against this world and, and, the, and the allurements that are constantly bombarded upon us. We struggle against a spiritual warfare that's taking place all around us. Christians struggle. And if you're not struggling, join the war. We need you. And it says, you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other, doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? You see, jealousy and quarreling are indicators of immaturity. If we're immature, then we get jealous when somebody has something we don't have, and we want. Now, that's true in, you know, if they have a home or the car or a job or a spouse or whatever it is that they might have. It's also true in churches where somebody looks like they pray better than we do or they know their Bible better than we do or whatever the case might be. And, and, and if we're immature, we're going to respond with something like, oh, they think they're all that. You know? But if we're mature, Then we're going to look on that person and say, you know what? That person looks like they know how to pray. That person looks like they know how to read their, their Bible and understand their Bible. And I need to improve in those areas. Maybe if I ask them, they can help me. You see, God designed it so that each and every one of us have strengths, and each and every one of us has weaknesses. And and the reason that we have strengths and weaknesses is so that we can give to others from our strengths and we can receive from others in our areas of weakness. If we don't know how to pray, then we need to find somebody who does and say, hey, can you teach me how to pray? If we don't know how to read our Bible, then we need to find somebody who does and say, can you teach me how to read my Bible? We need to be mature in the way that we handle it. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We're only God's servants, busboys, through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. You see, it's all about Jesus. It's not about the workmen. Paul founded the church, Apollos nourished the church, but they weren't really important. What was really important is that God makes the seed grow. You see, it's all about God, and Jesus is God. And Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. So we should never say something like, look at the church so-and-so built. Because if it's really a church of Jesus Christ, then it wasn't so-and-so who built it. It was Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. What is he saying? He says we should work together as a team. We each have our own parts. We have our different callings. We have our different spiritual gifts that we've been given. But God is the one who's orchestrating all of these parts to accomplish His work. And our our goal is to work together in God's work. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. You know, the Bible teaches clearly that God rewards based on On individual merit. Now, I want to say that again because that might catch some of you by surprise. The Bible clearly teaches that God rewards based on individual merit. Now, we're not saved by individual merit. We're not saved by individual merit. We're saved by grace. But some of us are going to have greater treasures laid up in heaven. For us, because of the decisions and the sacrifices we chose to make while we were here on Earth. Now, rewards are mentioned again later in this chapter, so we're going to expand on that in just a moment. But at this point, verse nine, Paul now directs his attention towards six elements that are uh, uh, are healthy, are are available, are, are are present in a healthy church. The first element is found in verse 9. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. Paul writes. And so, uh, when we look through the scriptures, we find that the church is the the assembly of believers. We find that the church is described with various metaphors. For instance, we're called, in some places, a family. In other places, we're called a body. In some other places, we're called a flock. In fact, that was uh, Jesus' favorite description of us. And here, Paul uses the metaphors field and building. And what he says is, you are God's Feel. You are God's building. So the first element in a healthy church is the recognition that the church belongs to God. It doesn't belong to the pastor. It doesn't belong to the elders. It doesn't belong to the board. It doesn't belong to the denomination. It doesn't belong to the largest contributors. It doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to God. This is not Pastor Layton's church, it's not Pastor Sheely's church, it's God's church. Pastor Layton and Pastor Sheely are merely busboys here serving God. Now, a second element of a healthy church is found in the next verse, verse 10. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now, that may first strike you as sounding rather arrogant on uh, of Paul to claim to have laid a foundation like an expert builder, but... Look at that, how he phrases, uh, how he prefaces his comment. He says, because of God's grace to me. And what he's doing there is he's saying, it's, it's all God. I'm giving the glory to God. I could not do what I'm doing if it wasn't for God. God gets all the glory. So now, the second element of a healthy church is that it must be well designed. It must be well architected. Physical buildings have to be well-designed, well-architected, in order to withstand storms and earthquakes. And likewise, healthy churches need to be well-designed, they need to be well-architected, in order to weather spiritual storms and spiritual earthquakes. They need competent staffs and adequate tools and effective policies and procedures and balanced budgets for their situation and mission, all assembled according to scriptural principles. Now, there's a third element that is found here of a healthy church, and that is that it is not personality-centric. Paul writes concerning the foundation he laid, now others are building on it. In other words, The work does not revolve around a single person, one charismatic superstar. Uh, We've all seen what happens to churches when they have been built around a charismatic superstar and that superstar leaves the scene for whatever reason. The church collapses. No healthy church is built around one charismatic superstar or one person. The foundation should be so well established that others can continue to build on it. It is the Lord's, and
0: it needs to stay that way. Celebrityism? No place for it. Not in God's church. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layden Sheely from Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno. If you'd like to know more about the church, we invite you to visit our website, highlands.us. You'll be able to find out a bit more about us, take advantage of resource materials we've got posted there, learn about our location and our service times. You're more than welcome to join us here at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a great weekend. Until Monday, God bless.